Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. It's IGN's weekly Nintendo show for the week of January 11th, 2024. My name's Logan Plant. I'm your host for this week, filling in for Seth Macy, who's off seeing the future of technology at CES. And speaking of the future of technology, we're talking even more Switch 2 this week, because I guess that's just how this year is going to go. Here to go through it all with me is Brian Altano. Hello. Rebecca Valentine. 
I cannot wait to see what Seth saw at CES. <laughs> <laughs> Including AI Mario. And Including AI stuff. Mario. <laughs> and industry legend Cat Bailey. Creepy AI Mario. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's so bad. No, I know, but it's 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 like so bad it's good. It's it transcends, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, it, yeah. it hops over the threshold. <laughs> so this week we're talking Switch 2, but we're taking a little bit of a different angle on it than we did last week, where we did a lot of speculation. And I think a lot of us left last week's episode feeling like this feels really similar to 2016, the run-up to the NX reveal, which would turn out to be Nintendo Switch, and it was just new rumors and new supposed leaks every single week. So this week, we're going to tell you to be careful on the internet about Switch 2. It only took three days into 2024 for rumors and leaks to pop out, reporting saying it's coming this fall, it costs $400, that's what analysts saying. And then today, to fit in with this topic even better, AI Shark, which is formerly Game Shark, put out this press release this morning saying its release window of September 2024 is planned to coincide with the Nintendo Switch 2. And only minutes later, an AI Shark spokesperson told Jason Schreier that they're just guessing about the Switch successor's launch window. So people were in a frenzy for about 20 minutes this morning on the internet thinking, oh, Switch 2 in September, and then pump the brakes on that. And that's kind of the theme of this week's episode is, is just pump the brakes. So, uh, Reb, what do you think of this this AI shark news that came out this morning? It's extremely funny. Um, I do think it's what I think what's even funnier is Jason Shire had that tweet where they said they were just guessing, but then at the same time, they were reaching out to digital trends and doubling down on that same date. So I I think what's actually happening here is a little bit of both. I think this is a, a third party uh, accessory because the, the parent company uh, of this also does like various audio devices and stuff. So they're like a, a accessory hardware tech company. They probably have some degree of vagueish insider information on this, right? Like these people are going to behind closed doors meetings at conferences and having conversations with people who maybe are having conversations with Nintendo. And they probably heard through the grapevine and done some like analyst discussions as well. And they probably have an educated guess about it coming out in the fall. And that's that's the doubling down part of it. But it is still just an educated guess, right? Like this is not an official Nintendo announcement. Nintendo could move this announcement at any time, even if it is true that it's coming in the fall. Like there, there's a million reasons why this might not be accurate, but it is like, I don't know, interesting, maybe not wrong. I don't know. It's it's curious. We'll, we'll say that. Game, Game Shark is... Like for for clarity, the company that m used to make those things that you would plug like yeah. your cartridge into, they would add cheats to it, right? Yeah, yeah. no one had this on their bingo card. No, at all. Like, like... I, yeah, I first of all, I had no idea that they that they still made products. A, B, that they would make one for Switch or Switch Two, and C, that they renamed themselves to AI Shark. Yeah, like I specifically remember playing like uh, N sixty four games with this thing and making like GoldenEye super oh, haunted. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Game the Shark was the bane of... of Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I remember all Back the lists the of Pokemon cheat cheat codes you could put in. So if you're online, people would be playing with sharked Pokemon, mm. or they would be trading uh, fake Pokemon that they were passing off as real. So anytime you saw a team with perfect EVs and they were all shiny, you knew that you were playing against a shark team, and it was very oh, yeah. frustrating. Oh yeah. And that that it being AI Shark, formerly Game Shark, makes me 
really kind of question if they know anything. And this is something that actually off show pair and I were talking about. And he said that <laughs> like they're an unlicensed software developer. They're probably not going to know what Nintendo's doing, but like Reb said, maybe they're talking to people who do like, it's, yeah. it's really unclear. I feel like there probably are just guessing. They want to get it out in September. They're betting on a fall release. So whether switch Two or whatever it's called comes out in September or October or November, this AI shark thing is already out and, and ready for it, regardless of what month in the fall. They're trying to get out in front of it. Uh, so I, I don't really think that they're going to know anything. And just what bizarre wording, though, in a press release. Part of me wonders, did yeah. they just want this clout? Did they want exactly what's happening right now for us to be talking about AI, <laughs> AI shark on our podcast? Yeah. I, uh, if, if you're listening to the show and you can't see uh, the B-roll that, that our producer Red's playing, <laughs> um, outside of showing uh, footage of actual sharks, he just showed a PC game shark, which came on a CD-ROM with also a small cartridge and then a VHS tape just in case you needed to watch a film about how to use this. Cause I guess back then you just, you couldn't watch videos on the internet. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very ancient company uh, by internet standards. Uh, and you've definitely interacted like, like Kat said, like if, even if you haven't like played with this thing yourself, you've probably played online with people who have cheated in games. So uh, it's very funny that it came from them, but yeah, this is, this is a uh, it Logan, you nailed it. Like this is, this is the feeling of what it was like to cover mm -hmm. Nintendo in 2016, mm -hmm. minus coming off of the heels of a wildly successful, immensely popular console that had tons of uh, awesome games hitting nonstop. That was the other difference. We were starving back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a little, little bit different now, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun time to be alive. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get dangerous out there. Like there's, you know, we have, we're in a different world now. There's like AI generated images. There's uh, like 3D printing is just like, you can, you can yeah. make anything now. And so like back in, I got probably 2016, like there was that oval shaped uh, switch thing uh, that we didn't know what it was. And, and um, we didn't, we didn't fall for it, but we also didn't like shoo it away entirely. I would say we like entertained the idea of it as it was making the rounds. Um, Many folks did, and it turned out to be a hoax. It was somebody had made a fake oval-shaped switch, which we talked ourselves in circles around justifying, and we were like, but our hands are going to be on the... There's a joystick in the middle of Link's face. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, there was no... You know, but, like, at the time, like, we had been playing mobile games on phones here and there, and we're like, you know, it's... It, you can... You'll learn to work around it, and plus, like, you'll still get to play on the TV. Uh, and, uh, you know, luckily, that turned out to be fake, but... Um, yeah, it's it's the Wild West and more than ever now, like it's, you know, it's it's very, very, I mean, it, it, two of you are on our news team, you run our news team here, like it's, you you deal with with this stuff every single day, like this, there's just fake images, there's fake press releases, there's fake, um, the good thing is that like when people fake stuff now, it's still, even though we have 4K cameras, it's like the blurriest photo you've ever seen of anything. So, yeah, you know, there's good ways to work around it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get crazy out there. Yeah, and plans also change too. I mean, we've I go back a couple of years and we had a whole bunch of very well connected, well sourced people reporting that we were going to get a mid gen switch refresh. And yeah. we we kind of did uh with the the switch OLED, but the things that were being reported were much more advanced than what we actually got. And the the truth that kind of came out through various reports is that Nintendo was planning on doing something a little bit bigger than that. But because of, of the pandemic and all of the supply chain issues and, and various other factors, they op they changed their plans and they just did the OLED, which was great, but it wasn't quite what people expected. And so 
again, like I, I would suspect that uh, Game Shark or their parent company is probably making a better educated guess than just you know Joe Nintendo fan on this on the street could. They're not just throwing darts at a board and deciding to release their product, but at the same time. Everything they're doing is based off of little tidbits they can, you know, kind of grasp through the grapevine or through various predictions. And even those might be based in things that Nintendo is going to change anytime well, they feel like for any mm -hmm. reason. What we're going to see is we're going to start seeing leaks, maybe from the supply chain of actually making the Switch to third party developers. Yeah. I mean, AI Shark in some ways is connected to that, even though they're an unlicensed partner and then ultimately just spitballing when the announce might might actually be but you may see uh leaks from nvidia for mm -hmm. example mm -hmm. and other uh other major partners of making the switch too and when they're actually manufacturing the thing you'll probably start hearing news from the lines uh, i recall that the switch light i think was leaked from somebody literally taking a picture of it when it was in the factory being assembled so those are the kind of leaks that we may begin to see. And especially once marketing plans start being spun up, that's when we're going to start hearing leaks as well, probably, because it's hard to hide when, say, Nintendo's planning to do a big reveal, which we're kind of expecting in March, that sort of thing. But right now, you go to Fami boards, you go to Resetera. It's a lot of wild speculation. There was somebody who was like, I've got the specs for the <laughs> nintendo switch yeah. 2 and i was like i don't think you have the specs for the nintendo switch 2 this is very much just kind of a wish listing but uh yeah that's it's kind of what fun. you can expect it's, it's a, a little, little fun. fun a little it's bit fun, fun to imagine yeah yeah i just we're 11 days in and we've already had so many things that are happening and it's just the start like we were talking about a little earlier 2016 was just madness and that fake controller with the two sticks on the screen i think that was based on a real patent that nintendo had filed and so somebody well, found that so, patent yeah. and went and made this thing and said remember that patent they're actually doing this and then that i think that's why a lot of people actually bought it is because it was a really really oh, well yeah. done fake but uh, i actually wrote down three other rumors from Nintendo that never came true here that have all kind of happened within the Switch generation. So the first one was that fake Nintendo NX controller leak. Does anybody remember the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Grinch leak? Yes. This happened <laughs> months before the game yes, came out. Yes. And somebody leaked fake marketing material that revealed six more characters mm -hmm. for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And there was a lot of dream fighters in there. There was like Shadow the Hedgehog. There was Ken who ended up getting in for the chorus kids from Rhythm Heaven, Isaac from Golden Sun. Isaac, my boy! But I'll be honest, I believed this one at the time and it was absolutely false. Did anyone else fall for this one? Uh, I, again, I entertained it because I was like, uh, it doesn't feel right because this is a character that did not even remotely originate in a video game so it it seems out of mm -hmm. theme but um it was also the wild west and every time the new character was revealed for smash brothers it, it was this really fun and completely unpredictable event that i i always loved the misdirection of those teaser trailers because it was like an envelope would land in front of a character and you'd be like it's him and then it would just go somewhere else and you'd be like oh it's them okay <laughs> um but the grinch i was like I don't know, man. This this one feels like a bridge too far right now. But. Oh, sorry. Well, for, for clarity, the Grinch part of the leak was there was marketing material for the Grinch Illumination animated movie that was like in the same frame as the Smash Brothers 
photo. So like people thought, <laughs> oh, they're working in some marketing firm that's marketing both Smash Brothers and this Grinch movie. It was a stretch looking back what's, on it. I can't believe what's it got funny, so much hype. What's funny about that is that Illumination did the Mario movie. So eventually <laughs> like there was it connective tissue there. Circle, but... yeah. <laughs> Still no I, Grinch. The fun thing about being a journalist for a website like IGN, but also being a huge fan of video games is that there's like two parts of my soul. There's the the very skeptical journalistic side that when I see something like that, I'm like, oh, there's no way like this is wrong and this is wrong. And, you know, none of this is possible and, and, and all of that. And you you that's the part that comes out when you're sitting down writing articles about this stuff and you're like couching everything in allegedly or supposedly or could possibly and all this other stuff. But then there's also the fangirl part of me that comes on this show and so yeah i th this was years ago but i remember looking at this and and the journalist part of me going okay well you know i have to treat this with just a giant wad of skepticism like there's you know there's there's no reason why this should be true but then also you know the fan of golden sun and the fan of rhythm heaven was looking at this and going oh, but what if but what if mm -hmm. and then i remember also thinking at the time because the you know those were some of the characters that were up there as the most desirable ones, like the ones that everybody really wanted to see in Smash Brothers. And I remember also on that list was Sora Kingdom Hearts. Like everybody wanted, it was, it was like a meme that Sora should come to Smash. And I thought, I, I was mentally putting Sora in that bucket of characters that would never in a million years make it into Smash. And then look where we are now. There he is, <laughs> our boy. I mean, that's like the whole fun of being a Nintendo fan, right? Like it's yeah. the un unpredictableness of it all. Like I remember, even covering like Mario Kart back in the day, where like one day they were just like, ladies and gentlemen, it's an actual Mercedes Benz. You're like, never, <laughs> ever, ever yeah. would have guessed that. And it makes, and, like, I, 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 you know, I still play that game all the time with my kid. And it's super weird when you're going through like all the most ridiculous looking, you know, Happy Meal toy looking cars ever made. And you just get to like an actual Mercedes Benz and you're like, uh, all right, I guess Diddy Kong can drive that today. And you keep going. Like, yeah. They, that's that's what the wonder of being a fan of them and, and and like growing up with their games is that they just they surprise you in in weird ways you can't expect. Yeah, nothing is too weird for Nintendo, including the stuff that you sit there and go, oh, that's way too weird for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. They never do that. Like they sold cardboard pianos once. I was just gonna say, <laughs> yes, right? Like, yeah, they made like five different versions of Labo. They just kept them coming mm -hmm. for a while. Uh, next up on the rumor list that never came true was Pokemon Stars, and this was oh. right around the start of the Switch generation, and this was apparently going to be a third version of Pokemon Sun and Moon that was going to come up to Nintendo Switch. It was going to be the home console debut for the mainline franchise. Instead, we ended up getting Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon on 3DS in 2017, and then Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee kind of kicked off the Switch generation of things in 2018. So, Kat, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you remember from Pokemon Stars? I remember thinking that it was absolutely going to happen at the time and expecting it because, as I recall, at least some of it was based on people seeing a high-res version of Pokemon Sun and Moon and just associating that with the Nintendo Switch. And it made sense, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to bring this thing, you're going to up-res it, it's going to look great on the Switch, you're going to get Pokemon on there early gen, and yet... It also didn't make sense at all because that's just not how Game Freak and the Pokemon Company roll. They're almost always quite slow yeah. to come to new consoles. I remember being quite disappointed when Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon ended up being announced for the Nintendo 3DS because 
by then, even in mid-2017, the Nintendo 3DS felt like a little bit of a dead letter compared to the Nintendo Switch. So, uh, But it was also coming from a very credible reporter who had a lot of track record with Nintendo. So there was a lot of belief within the Nintendo community that it was going to happen, and sadly it did not. What is going on behind Jonathan Dornbush? In I that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that it also, I, uh, to Kat saying that it was very believable in some respects, it, it also was if you were just very familiar with Pokemon Sun and Moon. I, I don't recall the exact details because uh, it's been several years since I played Sun and Moon, but my recollection at the time is that Sun and Moon had a lot of like lore elements or little hidden tidbits that very much nodded to the idea of a third, like like a stars uh, yeah. sort of component. And it, it made it just made perfect sense. It was just, it was logical. I, I remember Zygarde being like a big part of that, I think. Like that, it was, there was Pokemon Z. Oh, that was Pokemon Z, Z. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The other rumored one that I think may have actually been canceled, or that's the, yeah. the rumor. But it's been a while since Nintendo's done a proper third version, if yeah, I recall correctly. But at the time... It just made sense. You have, you know, crystal, gold, silver, crystal, mm -hmm. and you're going to have sun, moon, and stars, of course. Yeah. But yeah. never happened. Yeah. Also, Reb, you're right. There were Zygarde uh, cores and that's cells. What moon, and it's almost like they were making good on that. They totally skipped Z in the prior Yeah, generation. I'm conflating those two, but yeah. but I, I remember in both situations, it felt like, oh, the, it, this just feels like the logical next step. Of course, they're going to do this. I remember feeling the exact same way about Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, too, because at the end, they have that whole tease for the can't help me the battle tower the battle tower that is the yeah. meanest tease i've ever seen in a video game <laughs> it says coming they're like soon, under construction and you're like, and you're like dlc let's go battle course. tower and it never, never. happened yeah they, they they i i feel like in the back of their minds there are people at game freak who for several generations in a row were going yeah of course we're gonna leave room for a third version but then various things happened and they just never got around to it and they yeah. appear to have mostly scrapped the idea they don't do that anymore they don't they do dlc instead which like honestly is better like yeah yeah like i would rather not pay full price for the same game again with some upgrades that i would feel like i was missing out on i would instead rather pay 20 30 bucks however much to get dlc for the game i already own and just keep playing that for a few more years conversely I love Pokemon Emerald and Pokemon Crystal and Pokemon Platinum. I miss them very much. Crystal's my favorite game, but yeah. I very much feel that Crystal should have just been gold and silver. Yeah, like, they're pretty much always the ideal version of that generation. And it's frustrating when even Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, they didn't take any elements from Platinum when they remade those games on Switch in 2021. It's a frustrating pattern. That was a terrible game. Sorry, Reb. Oh, it's okay. I I look I liked it at the time, and I still like it, especially in light of everything that went wrong with Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wistful. Let's move on to our last rumor that never came true. This was Star Fox Grand Prix, and this was supposed oh to be a God. Star Fox racing game in development at Retro Studios that was going to take elements of Diddy Kong Racing and F-Zero, and IGN was even sent a fake mock-up logo that's embedded in our story <laughs> about it here. Uh, Brian, I know you're a Star Fox guy. Star Fox Grand Prix, what do you remember? Um, Retro was supposed to be working on this one, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was, the? I mean, that was like... So like there was there was a very long stretch there where we were just like please more Metroid please and then this rumor came out and we're like guys 
come on like literally anything else but this and then obviously you know back in the back in the this era we were starved for new games so we did the thing where we were like well let's make lemonade out of this and we started getting excited for it <laughs> and um i still don't think this made any sense on any level and this you know i'm i'm sort of glad it didn't come come true but um i think it would have been interesting at the very least i i think the the bench uh, the roster of characters here isn't uh, very deep in terms of like you would have to start pulling from some other games pretty quickly mm -hmm. once you got past like Crystal and like yeah. the, the little dinosaur that you can hit. The Star with Wolf Boys. Star Fox Adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You run out. You run out pretty quickly. Um, that said, like I don't know. I I I think it would have been cool. Like the the flying parts of Diddy Kong Racing were always interesting. Like the the idea of making a kart racer that wasn't necessarily grounded no pun intended and was instead like zipping through the stars and maybe like score attack based and had bosses or something like that great idea cool idea um not what i wanted from retro at the time and it never happened so it's water under the bridge or whatever or the r wing but um uh it was this was a fun one to pretend existed for a little bit there was Sorry, yeah, sorry. Star Fox Command also hinted at a connection to F-Zero because if you've never played it, there are a million canonical endings in Star Fox Command. And one of them is Wolf, sorry, Fox and Falco becoming racers in the F-Zero circuit, which may seem to lend credence to these rumors that they were actually in the same universe in their own weird way. I'm going off memory here, so apologies if this is inaccurate, but wasn't there a video like last year that sort of broke down the Star Fox Grand Prix rumors and explained like how that whole saga came to be, or was that a different game? I don't know. I don't think I've seen that. That might be That'd a be it might be true. a different game that I'm remembering. Uh I'm not gonna type on my noisy mechanical keyboard and check, but I anyway. Yeah, this was what's interesting. Go ahead, Brian. No, I was going to say real quick. I when I, I believe when I bought my GameCube, there was a picture on the back of the box of uh, Don Donkey Kong Racing, which is like a game that I believe got a trailer and then just never released. Donkey so, Kong. So yeah, there was like, a, and he's he's riding on uh, Rambi or whatever, and his his weird animal friends that wear shoes. Like he's there's like a whole there was a whole thing there. I, I think there was a trailer, and it just it never happened. So when this came this out, is Diddy Kong Erasure. <laughs> Yeah, no, like there was there was a Diddy Kong racing for the N64, but there was also a Donkey Kong racing. Somebody chime in so I don't feel crazy. Here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm hung up on weird animal friends with shoes. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh the the ostrich. I feel like I'm having a stroke. No. <laughs> no, I remember this. And then I think the closest that we ever got to it was the Donkey Kong Barrel Blast, which came out on Wii and was just a terrible game. Yes, uh, which was... is a, okay. There oh, we go. There we Thank go. you. Oh, there we go. oh my God, uh, wow. you guys were about to ship Red's me off wizard. to the. No, no, like... no! I didn't disbelieve you. Where, where was this shown? I, I, I don't remember. I like. I just know That's that this awesome. is a real. This is a real thing that existed. Ooh. It was, you know, theoretically supposed to be the spiritual successor to Diddy Kong Racing. Um, I'm glad there's video footage of this because otherwise you guys would, you know, wheel oh. me off to the old folks no, no, home no. because I sound uh, crazy. But look, there's, yeah, you can go underwater and um, yeah, there was there was a lot of so this was this was on the box with the GameCube in terms of like the hey, when when you know, when we start firing at all cylinders, like this is one of the games you'll get to play. Oh and gosh. I don't remember if it was like formally canceled or which team was actually officially working on it. But this was like a Nintendo first party game that didn't wow. happen. And like Logan said, like, yeah, we got we got Barrel Blast, which we've all sort of memory hold in a different direction. Because why remember that game? Um, 
yeah, we almost we actually almost got a you know Nintendo Kart adjacent racing game using mascot characters that wasn't Mario Kart, and it didn't happen. Just like Star Fox. Pardon I'm looking me, at it here. That it story, seems... that story was bananas. Yes, okay. I just want to say real quick. It seems like this game was canceled right before the Rare buyout because this was going to be a Rare game, oh, so it was one of those casualties boo. of Microsoft acquiring Rare. Oh. Interesting. Yep. So it exists somewhere on a hard drive. Yeah. I would have played that. So yeah, those are four Nintendo rumors that never happened. So be careful on the internet over the next few months while we wait to hear something official about Switch 2. There's so many games to play. You don't need to be trolling the internet to find out what's going on with Nintendo. Just wait for them to say something. And and join in the fun part of the speculation about our new console generation, like what we're about to do next, which is pitching a dream Nintendo collaboration for Switch 2. So there's been kind of a lot of rumblings lately about Nintendo working with other studios. Bandai Namco recently announced a new dev studio for commissioned projects. And in some of the job listings, Nintendo is listed saying, hey, this is a game for Nintendo. And then a report this week from gamesindustry.biz says Nintendo's deep in conversation with three studios around making games based on Nintendo brands. And this isn't anything new, right? We've seen Mercury Steam handle Metroid, Bandai Namco work on Smash Brothers, Grezzo work on Zelda. So there's a lot of collaborations. But let's each pitch one collaboration between a third-party developer and a Nintendo brand that we want to pair them with that we'd love to see. Ryan, you want to go first? Uh, oh, man. Okay, well, I think... Uh, here's my pitch. So the famous video game company Capcom, right? They, they, they get on the call with Nintendo, and they go, we're going to make five games for you. And they're called the Capcom <laughs> 5. And all of them are completely exclusive for... No, I'm kidding. They, they tried that already. Um, I'm actually... Uh, so we, we talked about Star Fox... Star Fox is one of those franchises that, like, I think got kind of shuffled in weird directions um, and almost weirdly got assigned. I don't want to say gimmick because I feel like that's like a, a word we throw around kind of too often in the games industry. But like um, the the idea that like every Star Fox game had to have this like sort of unnecessary mechanic to it that um, mm. took away from the the concept of like what made the core gameplay so kind of like arcadey and fun. Um, the last one we got for Wii U was like kind of notoriously uh, difficult to play with the, you know, the, I think they tried to realize the dual screen thing a little too late in the game and it didn't, didn't work. Yeah. necessarily work there. Um, so I would, I would love to see a new Star Fox game and I haven't gotten as far as to figure out which developer uh, would go well for that because I'm thinking like, do we want something that's like hyper realistic and like a little bit simmy? Um, or do we want something that's like pure kind of like crazy arcadey? So maybe you guys can help me workshop that. I got one for you, Brian. Okay. Have you heard of a little developer called Project Aces? Yes. They work for Bandai Namco. They most recently did Ace Combat Skies Unknown. There we go. Ace Combat is basically Star Fox, but with jet fighters, do that. See, this is, this is, this is why we have you, Kat. That's, that's it. That's the pitch. Ace combat not, with with in space, space not combat. Only that, but not only that, Bandai Namco has a long history of working with Nintendo as a support kind of studio. So the, there's an existing relationship. You could almost believe that it would happen if Nintendo actually wanted to do this, which they don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that, I don't know. I think that we could see Star Fox again. I think it's one of those that Miyamoto just loves so much that he's just gonna green light, make somebody make it just so it will live on. Kind of like I'm, he has just dragged the Pikmin series along, and now it's finding some success with Pikmin Four, and that just needs to happen with Star Fox. 
it skipped Star this generation, which I think was much needed, but I think we'll see it again. Star Fox is my favorite Nintendo series, and I really? have had my heart broken many times over the years about it. So I've just learned to heart in my heart and swallow my tears Aww. around this uh, series. However, there is a fan project that I learned about just recently called something like Star Fox Horizons. And they're using the Free Space 2 engine to make a brand new Star Fox game. And I downloaded their demo. It looks quite impressive. And I thought to myself, this is what I wanted Star Fox to be all along. Huge, impressive fleet battles and flying around. And yes, this is it. This is it. But uh, I don't think Nintendo wants to do that. So Star Fox your, would be fun. Your... What's your dream Nintendo collaboration? I feel like I've said this somewhere before, so I apologize if I'm I'm treading water here, but I I am a huge Golden Sun fan and I really miss those games and I I don't I I feel like Camelot lost the way somewhere with Dark Dawn and I I don't they're busy with sports games now, so I would really love to see Nintendo make an effort with a third-party studio to sort of bring the IP back and I think the absolute best way to do that would be to collaborate with Square Enix and have them do one of those HD 2D treatments on the two for the first two games. Awesome. Um I think that game would translate extremely well into that format. It would look absolutely gorgeous. I think you would need to tweak it a little bit because you don't want it to have the exact Final Fantasy look like part of Golden Sun's like very signature look was kind of these like little sort of 3d models on this like very like detailed game boy uh sprite background and they look they looked really really good um but I, I think there's a way to do that in hd2d that looks absolutely incredible and i and you know get get someone to or i, I don't know get motoi sakuraba back to redo the whole soundtrack and i just ah oh, i think that would be beautiful yeah, Golden Sun needs to come back. That's one I feel like we've seen so many miracles happen on Switch with franchises that have been revived, and Golden Sun or Earthbound are, are just a couple that stand out as ones I'm surprised we haven't seen come back yet. In it's some supposedly fashion. coming to Switch Online. Like they announced when they announced GBA Switch Online, Golden Sun, the first one, was one of the games they said was coming to it, but they That's haven't right. put it on there yet. And so I'm I'm sort of waiting. Nintendo loves to announce these things on like Friday at. 5 p.m. right as we all log off for the day so if if i'm very very lucky i can speak the energy into the universe and we will release this episode on friday morning and then on friday evening uh right after i've said this i will get my golden sun for the weekend <laughs> we'll see I'll, I'll say it happens thursday and by the time the show goes up it'll already be it'll already happen it'll already would, be on switch online what a day i'd be having yeah mark it down right now all right kat you already talked about Star Fox a little bit do you have any others that you'd want to pitch First of all, Reb, I'm rooting for you. I hope you get Thank what you, you want. Thank you. Uh, second of all, I got two. I'm just going to cheat a little bit. One is, uh, I think it would be pretty cool if From Software did Zelda. Just putting that out into the universe. That would be cool. Make it a little more combat focused. A little more. Uh, take that wonderful dungeon crawling and translate it into the dungeons of Zelda. I think you could get something pretty neat. A little dark, a little macabre. That's what Zelda's really good at doing. The other one is, how about Team Cherry doing a Metroid game? I think that could be yeah. really neat with like the vibes. Um, no disrespect to a Mer Mercury Steam. Uh, they did a fine job with Metroid Dread, but I think I'd rather have a more stylized uh, yeah. perspective than the kind of two, uh, 2.5D 3D look that uh, Mercury Steam does. It would take a really long time because they're still working on Silkstone. <laughs> so it would take years before we see a Metroid, but that would be yeah. super cool. 
I like your FromSoft for Zelda pick, although actually just last night when I was thinking about this topic, I had the idea of how cool would it be if FromSoft did Kid Icarus and just took mm. that like angels mythology vibe and just totally made it in their own image. I think that would be awesome. I think Kid Icarus needs a comeback and that I that's that's a dream scenario though. I don't think these two studios would work together, but I, I, would, love, I love the idea of a from a dark from software game named Kid Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd also have to like move away from some of the more deliberate comedy that was in the last game and do some more of the accidental comedy that they're known for, like, you know, a boulder falling on a guy's head just as he's about to beat a boss or whatever. Um, which, you know, like, honestly, a lot of Zelda shrines had that sort of energy to it. So I see a lot of crossover in all those worlds. I got another one for you. Let Grezzo handle a uh, Mother 3 localization. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, in collaboration with Nintendo, but, like, I'm thinking of the visual style of Link's Awakening and how nice that was and how well that would work with Mother 3. We've seen multiple fan projects sort of steal that style uh, to to put the Earthbound universe into, and I, the game's, you know, the game is there. It would require, I've talked on this podcast before about how it would definitely require some tweaking uh, for, a, yeah, this is the fan project that we're looking at right now. Wow. Um, it's it's just a... It's, it's a video it's not a real playable thing but this is this is the exact style i'm thinking of and it's it's perfect i had no idea this existed this is this is stunning it's like a it's like a three minute little trailer of various scenes from mother three you can find it on youtube and it's it's absolutely phenomenal it's a fan project um, actually one of my go ahead brian no i was gonna say selfishly i want grezzo to do uh zelda oracle of ages and seasons in the Link's awakening engine first but also, I selfishly want them to fix that engine so it doesn't run at 20 frames per second every time you go out. Switch 2, baby. Let's Switch go. Two, baby. There, you go. there you go. Yeah, that is one of the biggest just crazy stories to me of the Switch generation. That Link's Awakening never got patched and that it still runs like it does five years later. Like, really? They couldn't have gone and figured that that's, out? I, it's crazy. Yeah, that's up there with like Animal Crossing not getting like any significant DLC or anything like that. Just sort of it like, eight, huh. It got one significant DLC. Animal a pretty Crossing? big expansion. Yeah, yeah. The, the Happy uh, Home DLC. That was huge. Mm -hmm. For for the Switch one? Yeah. 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 Go back to Animal Crossing, Brian. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of new stuff to do. I know. I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, like checking in more regularly and treating that game like, yes. you know, the billion seller that it is. That was and... a very weird scenario where it felt like the pandemic impacted their plans for it. They, they released the game, did nothing but the seasonal events for, like, what, a year and a half, something like that, and then dumped all the DLC at once and ran away. <laughs> Well, there, yeah, there was a thing going around the other day, too, about like that blank space uh, in Super Mario Maker 2 next next to 3D World's yeah. extra game modes with an S. Yeah. And they just never filled that blank space. Yep. So, There's one extra yeah. game mode. That mm -hmm. is it. A couple of mysteries this generation. I think with Animal Crossing, we'll see a much bigger support rollout for the next one. I think I, it's, I look at what they do with Splatoon 3, and they're so good at consistently rolling out maps and weapons and outfits, and they can just apply that same treatment to Animal Crossing, which is like what oh I thought God. they were going to already do with they Animal Crossing New Horizons. They did that with New, New Leaf. New Leaf yeah, was, was getting like new furniture every month, I think, I remember. It was, it was like a very low fanfare situation, but I remember playing New Leaf, and you could like download, I, I don't remember how you got it. It was the 3DS era, but like, you, they were adding like one or two new furniture items to the game every every couple months or so and it was it was just this sort of regular oh check in you can go get this new thing and it was really nice so i have uh two here to pitch third-party collaborations i'd love to see with nintendo and the first one i don't have as many thoughts on so i'll get that one out of the way i'd love to see hazel lights that's the it takes two and the away out Ooh. team joseph ferris's team go make 
ice climbers. Go make a cooperative. Interesting. Oh, that would be cool. Interesting. Where one person places each climber and there's puzzles climbing a mountain together. I think that could be really, really mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be it's a crazy as... one for them to bring back. I'm playing It Takes Two with my partner right now, and there is actually a scene, a sequence that could be right out of Ice Climbers I know in exactly that game. I know the one you're talking about. So, yeah. yeah. It Takes Two is the first game I thought of, Kat, when, when Logan pitched this. That was like, I was like, oh yeah, that okay, that, that could work. That would make me actually like Ice Climbers. I mean, I love the characters. The original <laughs> NES game is garbage. Let's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's bad. Yeah, the amount of characters to be like it's great so that's it's not it's not good the the characters oh what are we looking at what what is this red red's putting this up on the screen i don't know they're connected by a rope and they're climbing them out i'm actually really into this let's do this red slack me what this is so i can shout it out yeah it looks awesome oh red and red and fred (laughs) and sometimes sometimes a rock Okay, I love that. All right. Everyone, check out that apparent indie uh, ice climber throwback. Yeah, also looks a little bit like Celeste, like some of the environments there. That looks really, really Mm. cool. And then my big pitch that is my dream, and it would be the greatest game ever if this came to fruition. I want a new F-Zero game created by RGG Studio that makes Yakuza and Like a Dragon. And I want it to be Captain Falcon in an open area mute city going around with brawler combat, being a bounty hunter. Because we see the racing side of F-Zero so much, but we never see him out of the car. He has this whole personality that's been built through the anime, and Super Smash Brothers has given him a huge amount of his personality. And we've never gotten to see that actually play out in a game besides select cutscenes in like F-Zero GX. So RGG Studio also actually rose from the ashes of Amusement Vision, which is the studio that made F-Zero GX and AX for Nintendo in the early 2000s. Um, so they've technically worked on this series before. I think it could be a super cool way to show off the power of Switch 2 with this kind of open area, big, mature brawler. I think that it would tone down kind of the crude humor of Yakuza, but keeping just that wacky personality, I think, would work really well for F-Zero. And you could even call it Like a Falcon is my name. Ah. <laughs> Logan, so I think it's an amazing idea that will never happen. And the only reason why it will never happen is because Nintendo, I'm pretty sure, has has it's recorded that they do not know what a bounty hunter is. Uh, they made Samus a bounty hunter. And then like in interviews, someone was like, wait, so she murders people for money. Like that's what her <laughs> job is. And they were like, no, she doesn't do that. And they're like, that's what a bounty hunter is. I think like, it's no. more like less Boba Fett, more like dog, the bounty hunter where she's arresting <laughs> bail jumpers, <laughs> that kind of thing. They, they wanted, like, the sense of adventure. <laughs> like, but they, th- there's, there's, interviews out there where it's like nintendo doesn't know what a bounty hunter is yeah well so i mean, mean they just sort of threw that on to captain falcon without really thinking about what his actual job entailed samus fights a bunch of like uh evil bounty hunters in uh metroid prime hunters yes um so i'm i think they kill probably she's a An good evil, she's a good, a good bounty, bounty? what's She's a good bounty the one, hunter. The one Kat described, like somebody that's just like, hey, I'm on the, you know, I'm I'm a, a street civilian cop or whatever. Who that's works gonna... for the cops? I'm not describing this well as a, as a or as a good person <laughs> at all. But... Yeah, she's just, she's picking up people who are flight risks in her yep. cool scout ship. And then uh-huh. somehow she ended up being in a uh-huh. situation where she was fighting Metroids for some reason. You don't, yeah, think, so... you don't think Samus has ever murdered somebody for money? <laughs> Sam is nearly uh, in, in, her spare time. in Metroid 2, so she, she's not totally clean. 
That's true. It's true. Samus <laughs> Samus kills for free. Like, <laughs> she does. Got, I mean, we've all got to eat. A girl's yeah. got to pay your bills. We've what all, else I mean, you going to do with that free. Mega Man arm cannon? Yeah, she gets she gets like energy tanks and missiles and stuff like that as oh as payment. God. You know, she kills so her boss will unlock more powers of her suit that are already inside yeah. of her suit. Yeah, they don't even. There's not like correct. There, there there isn't even currency in those games, right? Like Mario gets coins and and Link gets rupees, but like Samus doesn't get money, right? I mean, I little power capsules Metroid. that restore her health. That's the money. I haven't That's, played a lot of Metroid, yeah, okay. but Samus's adventures that we see don't seem to be very grounded in societies where currency is necessary, right? Like she's usually crash landing on planets mm -hmm. and kind of wandering through these empty alien husks and then fighting weird things that pop up out out, out that pop out at her. Mm -hmm. Like she's not she's not really in a, a barter and trade goods and services kind of society. See, they for use her the video word games. They use the term bounty hunter, but I think it's more proper to say that she's a mercenary taking okay. on jobs for yeah. the Federation. Uh, they expanded on the backstory through various Metroid games, and I'll I'll admit that every time they add to the lore of Metroid, it gets a little worse. <laughs> but she, I would say that it's more accurate to say that she's a mercenary. I'm just saying they call her a bounty <laughs> hunter, you. and I Thank don't you. think they thought it through when they first yeah. said that. Say, and similarly with Captain Falcon. I mean, let us let us know in in the comments. Does does Samus murder for money? <laughs> looking at that never that, mind that, that was dog, the bounty, dog hunter. bounty hunter with a, <laughs> a samus png light over <laughs> thank you red um, happy new year red we're glad you're here no i'm going with my defense that there isn't money in in that world or if there is she doesn't uh deal with it so so she's just a murderer or she does it for for food and pellets i guess <laughs> Like a rabbit. <laughs> okay. We, there's so much of Samus's life we don't see in between the games, like Reb was saying. Yeah, she's complaining about a little life. hamster water bottle. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. she, anyways. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Let's leave. She definitely needs gas for her ship, unless it's you know powered through mm -hmm. clean energy blood. in the future. Oh, or blood. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> That works too. Anyways, I want this F Zero game to exist. I I think yeah. that Captain Falcon is a hugely undertapped brand for Nintendo. People love that guy in Smash Brothers. I wonder He's why Nintendo mean. won't comment on this. It's so it's so strange that they won't talk <laughs> about this. Yeah, let's let's reach out after the show. <laughs> so those are our dream pitches for Nintendo third party collaborations. What do you think? Let us know in the comments what you want to see Nintendo partner with for an upcoming game on Switch or Switch Two. But speaking of games coming to Switch. More Xbox games might be coming to Nintendo platforms. Hi-Fi Rush is heavily rumored to come to Nintendo Switch, and there actually it was rated in Australia for Switch and PlayStation, so it really seems like this is happening. If you don't know, Hi-Fi Rush is the Xbox exclusive right now, developed by Tango Gameworks that Shadow dropped last year around the same time of year in their developer direct. It's that rhythm action game. It's super cool. I've played about half of it. I did get around to finishing it. But also, there's been reports from Jeff Grubb saying he's heard that Microsoft's considering bringing Sea of Thieves to Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 5. So over on Podcast Unlocked this week, they talked about what that would mean for Xbox to lose exclusivity on some of these games. So here, let's talk about it from kind of a Nintendo perspective. What would it mean for Nintendo to get these games, both for consumers and for Nintendo's relationship with Xbox? Kat, what do you think? Wow, that's a big question. Um... I think Hi-Fi Rush is a fine game. I would have a lot of questions about how it would run on the Nintendo Switch. It's a game that I think I would rather play on Switch too, but it is kind of neat. It's a nice addition. Um, 
I, I don't know if I can draw any conclusions about broader consequences for this outside of it's always good to have more games, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, the consequences are this is devastating to people who tether their entire identity to one console. Like that's, <laughs> that's really the only, the only downside to this. Cause otherwise it's like more people get to play a, a well-reviewed game and there's nothing wrong with that. It is funny that this is always a one-way street. Like Nintendo is never like, like they, they get a little bit of everything, but Nintendo's never like, oh, cool. And in return, you can, you know, you can have a little F-Zero. Here's a Mario. Yeah, Just here's a kidding. Mario. Yeah, JK. No, that never happens. Um, they're like, you can watch the Mario movie on the Netflix app. There's your treat. Have fun, Xbox fans. It, but, it's like, yeah, you yeah, can like, sit at the popular kids table for one day, but we're never going to sit. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
I mean, yeah, it's like what's interesting about it is it like, you know, maybe if even if you're not like a big Xbox person or whatever, like in the Nintendo ecosystem on the show, um, this goes in line with like their philosophy this generation and and beyond that, which is, you know, we're not going to win the console war. We don't care about the console war. Ultimately, we just want people to play our games and we want people to, you know, subscribe to our live services and all that like they just that's what they want like they're they're looking at they're looking at the games uh industry and and sort of the way people inter interface with it in a very different way than the sort of traditional way that uh, i think nintendo and, and and playstation always have um and we'll see if it pays off i like i think it's cool it's awesome to be able to like play a game on x cloud and then pick it up on my pc and then pick it up on my xbox or whatever and have cloud saves and quick resume all that stuff is like it's great ideas that i wish every company you could steal from but like you know we see a lot of day and date games launch on xbox and pc at the same time and uh sony's a lot more staggered when it comes to that and nintendo doesn't bother with that at all and you know they're all still in business so there's really no wrong answer but the idea of taking a game that's like a year old and putting it on a platform where it might get a whole new audience is pretty cool um it's just something you'll never see nintendo do <laughs> Yeah, Nintendo brands are so heavily tied into the console. Like, you know, yeah. you're only playing Mario Zelda Kirby on this machine and Xbox and PlayStation don't have, I don't think anywhere close to the recognizable brand power that Nintendo does. PlayStation's made up Whoa. a lot of ground, I think, especially. Whoa, that's a big statement, Logan. I think it's true. I, I think among I think PlayStation's become very powerful in that regard. Yeah. They're just yeah, more willing I... to put their games on PC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's fair. But I, I still think that if you're talking to like a casual consumer, they'll more closely tie maybe Mario with Nintendo than Kratos with PlayStation. I don't know. Well, I think like the argument. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, like the argument against buying a PS5 if you're a PC owner is that eventually some, if not all of the heavy hitters in terms of first party exclusives might or, or will come to the platform. And the argument against buying a Switch if you're a PC owner is illegal right like it's piracy and so like you can that's an option you can do that um you know we don't condone it i don't care what you do with your free time uh but like ultimately like you you need to get a switch to to play nintendo games for the most part whereas like on another platform you can make the argument that like that's not entirely necessary to play the large bulk of games you'll you'll get them on pc eventually so but nintendo doesn't doesn't bother with that which is you know that's it's working for them. So like, again, no wrong answers. Yeah. And something I think I, we can talk about with this is, sorry, Reb, you can go ahead. No, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of sort of the ways in which Xbox has been kind of courting Nintendo this generation in this sort of like weird way. So if you remember back in at like the start of this generation, they were making a big play of like, oh, we care about ecosystems. We're not here to like sell exclusive consoles. Uh, I mean, we are doing that also, or like ga games, games that are exclusive to a console and try to sell boxes that way. We are trying to just put Xbox games on everything and we want them to be every place that players are. And at the time, you know, that meant Xbox, PCs, and they've been working on mobile recently. Uh, but then there was sort of this implication there for a while that it might also maybe entail PlayStation and Switch as well. So there were all these rumors that Xbox Game Pass was coming to Switch. And then those rumors didn't materialize but we did get ori and the blind forest and cuphead yep. and those are really great games really great fits for the nintendo switch and then they kind of 
faded out a little bit and the narrative became for like at least a year and a half or so of oh no actually we are we are going to pump out a bunch of exclusive games like we do want you to buy our consoles actually and so there was maybe a sense that they were sort of going back in the other direction but now with these sort of new rumors it seems like maybe they're coming back around to yay ecosystems and it is interesting to sort of imagine a a marriage of some sorts between Nintendo and Xbox and what exactly that would entail. Uh, so far, it seems it's only entailing a third party, a couple, a, an occasional third party game release from Xbox coming to Switch. Um, but, you know, there's there's sort of a what if there. Like, is, that, is Xbox really, truly serious about trying to get some version of Game Pass on Switch? Could that even be possible? Would Nintendo ever let something like that happen? And if so, what would that look like? And I've I've been sitting here sort of imagining different scenarios as to what a possible future for that would be. And while I think it's very unlikely, I there, there's a couple of versions of it I can imagine happening way down the line somehow. I think that it's- if Xbox wanted to put Game Pass on the Switch or the Switch 2, Nintendo would demand such a large cut of the proceeds that it wouldn't actually make any sense for Xbox to do that. And that may ultimately be the biggest hangout for Xbox. I think long range Xbox might have the, the, the right of it. Like the concept of a dedicated box that lives under your TV that has games that are exclusive to it in an era where mobile gaming just continues to become more and more ubiquitous and are quite powerful on their own might be an archaic concept in 10, 15 years. Who knows? Maybe Xbox is aligning for the future, but that future isn't here yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Rab, I'm interested. What kind of Game Pass service do you think could work on Switch? I think Kat's absolutely right about the the money being the biggest issue. I think maybe a secondary issue that is a little more overcomable is a situation. So Game Pass uh, has obviously ver- a lot of Xbox uh, first party games on it, tons, uh, but then also a bunch of uh, third party games that are also already available on Switch, uh, many of them. And so I think one of the big issues they would have to overcome is, okay, Nintendo wants you to buy those games on Switch. They don't want you to buy them. They don't want you to just have access to them via this Xbox subscription. And so in my head, one possible route that could conceivably be taken to at least overcome that would be a version of Xbox Game Pass just for Switch. So maybe you have access to it already if you're already paying for Game Pass, or maybe there's like a separate tier you have to subscribe into to get it, but it gives you a limited array of games on Switch. So maybe like selected Xbox uh, first party games that they deem acceptable for a Nintendo console or that can actually run on it or that are running in the cloud or something like that. And then a handful of other third party games that are not already on Switch. I think I, th- I think technology is also a huge factor there because again these games obviously also have to be playable in the first place. I think cloud would be a possible solution for that. Uh, but there's just there's so many logistics that would have to be overcome to make something like that happen. I I don't see it happening on this switch, and I think it's a very unlikely prospect on a a new switch. But I don't think it's completely impossible. I do think it's completely impossible on a PlayStation, but this is not a PlayStation pod. Yeah. Reb, Reb, I have a question for you. And maybe this is that. a question for the whole panel. Pretend that Game Pass does, in fact, come to the Nintendo Switch. Okay. Would you subscribe yeah. to it? Look, pretend you're not in the games media. Would you subscribe to this service on Nintendo Switch? Uh, Under uh, the kind of the guidelines, that it's a curated Nintendo Switch thing. You go into Game Pass on the Switch. There's a bunch of games 
on there, probably your Celeste's and your third party games. I doubt Nintendo I doubt any Nintendo games would be on here on there unless they were very old. Would you um, subscribe? I mean, well, this is under the assumption that we're not subscribed already. Right? Yeah, I'm already a Game Pass subscriber. Yeah. So. But so I, this is like a hypothetical, yeah. I use Game Pass on my Steam Deck a lot because there's like a workaround to basically open up a web browser. But yes. um, all of that is uh, like cloud-based mm-hmm. and none of it is like downloading it specifically to the system. And so you would need you would need that, I think, for for the switch right and like the steam deck is obviously a portable but it's like slightly bigger it's kind of like my lay on the couch and play and like when i get on the airplane i usually grab my switch more powerful yeah it's more powerful for sure um but also involves more tinkering and if something breaks like i need an internet connection like a mouse and a keyboard it's kind of annoying um whereas the switch is like you know pretty much you launch a game and it's going to work so i would want like if it was game pass was to come to switch and i wasn't subscribed it wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for just a cloud-based version of it. I would need to like be able to download games natively and then access them on the go with no internet connection when I'm on an airplane or whatever. Yeah, it's a really complicated question because it forces me to imagine a reality where like none of the things that are currently true about me are, are true. So like I currently have an Xbox Series S, I'm in the games media, and I already subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, but I, I could certainly see a version of myself that you know is looking at the next console generation maybe like we're we're looking at this hypothetical switch 2 that we're going to get you know maybe this year i don't know and then here in a couple of years uh the xbox series s that's sitting under my tv is going to be obsolete and there's going to be a new console so i can see when that comes around uh especially depending on what xbox does how much things cost how much i'm what kind of games i'm getting out of this kind of service i can see myself not getting a new xbox console and mm-hmm. just getting the Nintendo console, but then staying subscribed to Game Pass for all the games that I'm missing out on. And in my in my fantasy situation where Game Pass miraculously, again, deeply unlikely, ever ends up on Switch, that's who it's for. It's for Nintendo people. People yeah. who are not already buying an Xbox, like like many I don't know who who on here has an Xbox. Um, but people who are who are not already there to sort of be introduced into that ecosystem. It's it's to reach people wherever they happen to already be playing. And so that I can imagine that being a an interesting, you know, to what fifteen bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, whatever. How I don't mm-hmm. remember how much it is. Uh, I've been getting free Game Pass. How much could Xbox codes. Game Pass cost? Ten dollars. Well, they give out free codes <laughs> like candy all the time. Uh, but I think I'm paying for it now. But <laughs> it's again, it's like a relatively inexpensive subscription for access to a ton of really good games. And if those games are not already available on Switch, it's a pretty tempting offer, I think. I think what's interesting is that this would like by comparison make Nintendo's online offerings look worse even though they're <laughs> significantly cheaper but like if you have Xbox being like this month on Game Pass on Switch you can play GTA 5 Assassin's Creed Valhalla and like 60 indie games and Nintendo's like it's 4 p.m. on a Thursday and you can now play Clue Clue Land like it's just it's just you know again significantly cheaper service right like you can you can pretty much get a year for the same value as like a or same cost as like a month or so um one to one but like it, nintendo would have to like up their game if they were going to allow a competitor's subscription service for video games to appear on that's their true. platform um the other thing too that's interesting is that like xbox delists a lot of stuff from game pass and nintendo Nintendo does that here and there, like you know, um, what was the like the pet- Mario Mario thirty five Pac Man ninety five yeah. Mario one hundred or whatever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still, I'm still still bitter about that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there's a lot there's a lot of like similarities between those things, but also like 
Game Pass is just a better service than Nintendo Online in terms of like the amount of games you're getting every month. But in terms of you know actual price, uh, Nintendo Online's way cheaper. So yeah, they in would just retros- look very weird. I don't in know. retrospect, it's really wild. We actually thought this was happening. Yeah, no. I, once you Game think about Pass it for like Nintendo? five minutes, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I really don't think... Uh, I really never thought there was a chance of Game Pass making it to Nintendo. I just feel like Nintendo's a very closed ecosystem, right? You can't integrate Discord. You can barely integrate social media. No it's not really chat. voice chat. Yeah, bingo. Mm-hmm. And they just are very in their own ways it's they're they're very brand heavy and they want people to stick with that brand and if they add game pass onto switch like game pass is this open ecosystem that is designed to guide people to xbox and i just don't see incentives for nintendo unless it's really heavy financial incentives to put a gateway to the xbox ecosystem on a nintendo platform it's like right yeah we'll let you put items on our menu but we're not going to let you open up an espresso stand in our parking lot like it's just <laughs> That's a really good metaphor like i like that to me. That's a good uh, i think a, a lot of the spe- speculation came from like there was a very uh there was a very busy couple of months where xbox was like hey we're partnering with like uh tv companies and like there's going to be a native game pass app and you know, when you buy a tv it'll come with a controller and you can access your games from your phone or your tablet and like even the steam deck i believe like they put out official messaging on how to access that and it was like it was weird and it's it's kind of backwards like you have to type in like html code to get it to work but like they they did that they were nudging people along so like there was definitely a brief window where it seemed like anything with a screen can and will play game pass and so like the switch seemed logical at the time um but yeah thinking about it for five minutes not so much I do think that's what Xbox wants. I think in an ideal world, Xbox would put Game Pass on Switch and mm-hmm. and be and be fine with that, even if the situation was okay. Now people just buy Switches; they won't buy Xboxes. I I think the audiences are different enough that I I think they would generally, under certain conditions, be okay with that. I do think Nintendo is the holdup, but I also think Nintendo has pretty good reason to be the mm-hmm. holdup on that. I think the games industry is still very split on the relative merits and value of Game Pass. You see people like Strauss Zelnick saying, I would never put my games on Game Pass. It's a total waste of time. Whereas you see smaller developers saying, well, I think actually having it on Game Pass is pretty good. So there's a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of debate over Starfield. And so in that respect, I don't know if Game Pass has been everything that Xbox hoped that it would be. Uh, but from a Nintendo standpoint, I just, I don't necessarily see the value add for Nintendo to have it, uh, as you all were saying. I agree with mm-hmm. all of you. The only scenario I can see, and I don't think this is going to happen, is if the next Nintendo system is just a total bomb and yeah. third parties yeah. abandon it and everybody leaves and Nintendo is left supporting it with exclusively its own studios again, like with the Wii U, they might call Microsoft and say, hey, can you put a cloud app on our machine just so we have more games? But that's a worst case gloom and doom scenario I don't think is going to well, happen. Hey, it's every other console for Nintendo at every this point, console? right? I, I have Uh-oh. faith. I have faith they've learned <laughs> this not. time. I really Uh-oh. do. I really do. I'm not worried about it. I'm a little worried, but I, I think that I trust them <laughs> this time. Yeah. All right, let's let's hit the Meverse. Let's see what everyone's been up to this week. Kat, what's been going on? Wow, uh, I got a little Nintendo, but it's tangentially reconnected to Nintendo. Uh, I've been watching Scott Pilgrim, uh, the Scott Pilgrim anime on Netflix, and that show is better than it has any right to be, and I strongly yeah. recommend it. 
if you like video games and you like Nintendo, hey, Scott Pilgrim has a lot of references to Nintendo in it, including a young Neil playing a GBA or Nintendo DS, I should say, back in the day. Um, it is very different from what I expected. I read the comics, I read the movie, and watching the show, I found it to be a very fresh and experience. I was worried that Scott Pilgrim wasn't going to hold up in the year of our Lord 2024, just based on the original material. But no, that's not true. It's great. It is it's really, great. really great. You're correct. Cool. We're yeah. not done with it yet, but it's, it's very enjoyable. Also, I finally rolled credits on Final Fantasy V. It's been 20 years in the making. I finally did it. Great game. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Moving I really to... want to like ask you questions about Scott Pilgrim, but the problem is, past the first episode, it gets very spoilery. It gets it's very like, spoilery, and very I wouldn't want to spoil what happens. Like this, so. I'm in like episode three though, and I'm loving it, just okay. absolutely adoring it. I think, I'm a, I think I'm like one episode past you or something like that, but it, okay. it, it is it is phenomenal. I, I agree with Kat. I highly recommend it. But yeah, we can't absolutely cannot talk about it. <laughs> absolutely cannot. No. Reb, you've been watching a different Netflix show that is related to Nintendo. Yeah, I. In like an afternoon over the weekend, I just burned through all four episodes of Pokemon Concierge. Uh, I wasn't even really thinking. I just, I'd been meaning to watch it. I just opened Netflix and it was there. And I'm like, sure, I'll turn this on. And it was so short. Like it's it's four really short episodes. It was over. I, I blinked and it was over. But it was great. Uh, it's it's about this uh, this young woman who's kind of burnt out at her. It's not really clear how she gets there, but she's like burnt out at one job and she ends up going to this Pokemon resort on this island uh, and working there as a concierge. And her whole job is just to make the Pokemon there happy. And she she meets the Psyduck, Psyduck and they bond and they become friends. And it's just her and the Psyduck's shenanigans, you know, trying to make Pokemon happy on this island. And it's it's really cute. The, the art, this like kind of, leave it stop motion with like these little felt guys uh is is super duper cute it's so so good and and soft and detailed and if you're one of those people who loves uh like really interesting pokemon merchandise or uh artistic creations of what the world would be like if pokemon were really living in it uh i don't know all the little teapots and like little little trinkets and and bits and bobs that you see in the background of of all the shots are just so good and and detailed and interesting and it's it's sweet it's emotional it's got this wonderful contrast between somebody who is a very anxious person working uh you know who's used to working very difficult stressful jobs uh you know trying to appreciate life and pokemon and yeah gosh it's just so sweet it, it my only complaint about it is that it's short and kind of shallow and i wish it would have continued and i don't know if it's getting a second season this is adorable it's great it's really great it's such a feel-good show I'm watching Side the trailer the and it's staring. absolutely wonderful to look at yeah yeah it's, gorgeous. it's just it's it's over so fast like basically by the time it has established its premise and kind of like the there's not there's not i wouldn't say there's like a central conflict that is I mean, there is for like a couple episodes, but you would sort of expect something to like this to be like sort of a problem of the week sort of situation where it's like Haru, the concierge, sort of like, oh, today this is going on at the resort and we're going to have to, you know, confront this challenge in some way. Um, but then there to be like maybe an overarching problem that exists for a longer series. But because it's only four episodes, they never get to any kind of overarching narrative. It's just, OK, she's there and then we're done. Uh, and I, I was really hoping for more out of it. I thought, I thought it would go on for longer or that more would happen. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that based on Netflix's love of just canceling things and, and Pokemon being very fickle, uh, 
uh, that we'll never see any more of this ever again. Uh, but it was it was a fun little bite sized watch. While it, it, while it, it looks expensive. It does look expensive. <laughs> like it's gorgeous and 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 very well animated. So yes, I, I I share your worries there. Yeah, I was I was meaning to start that with my kids soon because it it just looks beautiful. Great to watch with a kid. Very good family show. And my girlfriend's favorite Pokemon is Psyduck. She's not a big Pokemon fan, but she just loves Psyduck. She oh, saw yeah. the Psyduck in Detective mm-hmm. Pikachu and has like a few Psyduck little figures or plushies that I got in Japan. So we're gonna watch that together. I think millennials are discovering this is like in this era that Psyduck is very relatable uh, because Psyduck is always stressed out and always has headaches and is just looking for someone to understand him. And man, boy, do I get that. Yeah, but then when he's like in the moment, when he's feeling himself, he's like super happy and present. Really powerful and and lovely. (laughs) Yes. How about you, Brian? What's going on lately? Uh, So I got this weird... uh, kind of bug in the back of my head recently that I wanted, I don't know why it was like, uh, when Sony put out that, um, the PlayStation, what is it even called? What's that? What's that remote play thing they put out? Portal. Portal. PS Portal. Portal. Yeah. Yeah. Rolls off the tongue. Um, I was like, I kind of want one of those because I got a new phone last year and I was using, uh, a backbone controller for a long time and it only worked on lightning. And my new phone is USB-C. So I was like, that doesn't work. But I want to I want to get back into like remote play and cloud gaming and stuff like that on a device that can do it all. And my uh, Steam Deck is just like, a, it's just like a little too heavy. It's like a little too bulky. Like it's just, it's just so close to being such a great handheld. Um, so I did some research and instead of just buying another backbone, I bought this thing called the uh, GameSir <laughs> G8, which is very very silly looking that's my phone in there it's uh it's colored like a north american super nintendo controller interesting so it's got like the purple buttons on it and stuff like that and i use it for uh remote play into my ps5 and my xbox series x as well as uh cloud gaming and playing ios games natively uh you can also use it to like remote play into your uh steam account and so I think it was like 75 bucks. It has, it's a very dumb name. Like the Game Sir G8 is a dumb yes. name for a product. Yes, it is. It just is. So like, I, I want to make it abundantly clear. This is not sponsored. <laughs> no, I bought this with my own money and I will freely dunk on how dumb the name is. But the product <laughs> itself is actually really cool. It's got these um, sort of like um, magnetic, uh, the, these parts are, are magnetic and p- can pop off so you can switch different sticks and stuff like that. Um, and I really dig it. It's really comfortable. It's like really ergonomic. It feels like a 360 controller or a Series X controller. And I'm using it to play everything but Nintendo games on it, um, which is odd because it's colored like a Super Looks Nintendo like a Switch, controller. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's that. Uh, if you're looking for like another handheld-ish thing, I was looking into the PlayStation Portal, but like there's it literally just remote plays to your PS5. Like there's no hacking community around it. There's no like yeah. mods that no one's gotten like xCloud working on it or anything. It literally just does that. So uh, yeah, I was looking for another option. This thing was like 75 bucks. I got it off of Amazon and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm playing a lot of like, like, you know, kind of more 2D RPGs and platforming games and stuff on it that aren't like necessarily super crazy and involve the best precision aiming or like the best wi-fi in the world so uh yeah i dig it a lot it's been very cozy to kind of curl up on the couch watch a tv show and play games on this thing 
I have not gotten into the world of remote play really at all. I've just, I play 80% of my games on my Switch, so that's probably why. But it seems mm-hmm. like there's just so many options out there now. I hadn't heard of that one at all until you showed it off on camera. Does the input delay bother you, Brian? Not, I mean, it hasn't really been significantly an issue for me. Like, I've been playing, um, I was playing Shredder's Revenge last night and was playing on hard difficulty and just like plowed through the first few levels, no problem. So it's, yeah, I mean, every now and then there's like a hiccup and a guy will punch you in the face and you're like, ah, damn. But for the most part, like, it seems fine. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play like Call of Duty online with it or something like that. I'd probably get murdered. I mean, I would get murdered playing Call of Duty online anywhere, but... (laughs) Because it's not really my thing, but I think it can work really well with menu based games, which, by the way, is what I mostly play these days. But whenever I try to play, I was playing Sonic 2 on a PlayStation Portal, for example, and it was fine, except somewhere in the back of my brain, I could feel Mm -hmm. that millisecond delay and it made the controls feel almost mushy. Oh, interesting. It was driving me crazy. Yeah, that for that, a game like Sonic, though, yeah, yeah, that might be a little too twitchy. Like I was playing Sea of Stars, and I was like, "This is this is perfect. Like this is yeah. mm-hmm. the pacing for that is like is perfect for uh, for something like that." Oh, and then even I was playing with the time button presses. That was fine. Yeah, yeah, I didn't oh. I didn't really have a problem with it, which is really interesting. Um, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Well, Kat, you gave me an excellent segue into my Miiverse for the week, which is I went to the Sonic the Hedgehog Symphony at its stop <laughs> in Seattle, Washington last wow. week. They're going on a world tour right now. They're going to Europe, Asia, North America. They have a few stops left. And this is seriously one of the best events I've ever been to in my entire life. I am a diehard Sonic fan. I know you let a Sonic fan take the reins of NVC this week. It's, it's a travesty. But diehard Sonic fan since the early 2000s. and I know every word to every vocal song that they did at this thing. It was just incredible. The first half is just this symphony orchestra out there, and they're playing all the tunes that you know from the Genesis games. They're playing Chemical Plant Zone, Green Hill Zone, Sky Sanctuary, all that stuff you would expect. There was an amazing Sonic Mania medley that they did that just had awesome tunes from that game. And then there was a brief intermission. And then they came out in the second half with a full-on rock band up front in front of the orchestra with a guitar player, <laughs> bass player, keyboard player, and a singer. And they did every vocal track from the mainline Sonic games that you would want them to do. They did City Escape from Sonic Adventure 2. They did Reach for the Stars from Sonic Colors. They did Fist Bump from Sonic Forces. And I have never been to a show where more people knew more words to more songs. <laughs> Everybody in that place knew every single word. It was one of the loudest concerts I've been to. Because you, know, you, you go to a concert and there's the hardcore. There's maybe the 10% that know everything. And then everyone else is there because they love the hits. They want to hear the hits. And when they pull out a deep cut, nobody really knows it. But you're buying a ticket to the Sonic Symphony. You know everything yeah. that they're going to play. And it was just a super rewarding night, I think, for all Sonic fans. Celebrating the one thing that's always been great about Sonic, which is the music. <laughs> Yeah, the games have been largely terrible for the last 20 years with a few wow. bright spots in there. Whoa. I'll admit it. I'll admit That's it. usually my job to say that. I know. People hate me for 10 years. I, I love He's them all. He's a Sonic fan. He's allowed to say it. Yes. Yeah, right. I'm allowed. I'm, I'm in the... <laughs> it's, it's, but like it's Sonic Colors, <laughs> Generations. I love Sonic Frontiers. But even in some of the worst games like Sonic and the Secret Rings or Shadow the Hedgehog, the music is still just yeah. such a highlight. And... It was just so exciting and it has just reawakened my Sonic fandom because it's it's like a dormant volcano that then just explodes and all I can think about now is Sonic. I'm 
playing Sonic games. I am catching up on the Sonic comics. I am listening to Sonic music while I work. Like, I'm fully in it right now. And oh it's God. awesome. But yeah, they did some heavy metal songs from the end of Sonic Frontiers. And there was lots of screaming. And I didn't have a voice the next day. So, all right. Video wow. Sound of a good concert. Awesome. Yep, absolutely. I we went to the Nira Tabata concert uh, tour in Chicago a couple years back, and we're actually going again in February, uh, which I'm super stoked about. Uh, but that one, you, you describing everybody knowing all the all the words is really funny because having been to Nira, you know, it's mostly nonsense lyrics, and so no one's really singing yeah. along to them. But then everybody always comes in for Way to the World because okay. everybody has to, you have to sing Way to the World, and it ends up being very powerful. So it's it's I'm just imagining a bunch of gamers on their feet singing City Escape and yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Brian, I just got your joke. I just got your Monster Hunter joke, by the way. It took oh, it's a, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, I was it's, trying to it's find a, it. It's a way homer. Um, it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm actually really really bummed. I missed the Zelda one a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, they were like they were going really hard and touring and doing a bunch of lives, all the concerts with a full orchestra. And like I, at the time, I was kind of like. Oh, it's fine. You know, I, I don't need to go to go to that. And then a bunch of friends went, and I got like major FOMO, and I was like, "Oh, I would have loved that." Yeah, I went yeah, to I one the... a few years ago, and it was really good. But also, so I don't want to sound elitist. I went to uh, see the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, and I went and saw a fairly famous pianist. I was like, "Wow, what an incredible experience and a beautiful environment." And by comparison, the uh, Zelda uh, Orchestra felt like it was in a high school gymnasium. <laughs> And I was sitting on kind of like hard chairs and everything. Like the musical experience itself was amazing, but the vibes not as amazing, I think. Mm. This is purely a me problem, but I grew up, my mom is a professional musician. She plays in a symphony professionally. And so I grew up going to very traditional symphony concerts. And so there's always a part of me that I have to like, rain in a little bit when i go to video game concerts because everyone's there to be a fan of the video game and they're all like mm. excited and yelling and cheering and stuff and i'm like no sit quietly <laughs> dress up don't clap between movements what are you doing uh take that cosplay off obviously this is serious is not, business like it's a video game concert i i do i i am a normal person who chills out at them it's just sort of a funny contrast to like you go see the san francisco symphony i went to see the new york philharmonic a few years ago when yep, i was in new yep. york and you remind yourself oh right this is this is an interesting take on a more serious like an event that is traditionally a little more solemn but it's also really cool that video games are getting people who otherwise would never hear a full orchestra play live in their lives to show up and sit down for one and that freaking rules support your local symphony no, I'm yeah, with you, Rob. It's, it, it, it was funny to hear Logan be like, we lost our voices at the at the symphony. Like that's a, <laughs> you know, that's not a thing that that no. like I, I, I grew up going to like field trips in, in New York City and, and living there for a while. And like you would go to, you know, symphonies and the opera and stuff like that. Yeah. And the idea of coming out and just covered in sweat and you're like, oh my God, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> like it's 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 you know, it's a very different thing with a with a video game concert. Like I think it's it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll get on my feet and scream for the uh, opening solo in Rhapsody in Blue or something. But maybe that's maybe that's not appropriate behavior all the time. We have just a couple minutes left, so we have time for one rapid fire question block question, and this one comes from Patty Denton. And this is speaking of music, what IP would make a great Nintendo musical? 
I've got my answer right off the bat. I think Earthbound would be an amazing mm. musical. I think that there's a great story there you could tell with a lot of themes that kind of fit into the themes you see in a lot of musicals. Um, just about like trying to go home again and it's not the same and growing up and a coming of age story. That's my pick. Who else has got one? Uh Metroid and not because we were making jokes earlier but because like here okay this is so personal but like one of my biggest pet peeves that like breaks my brain every time I'm watching a musical is when one character starts singing and then everyone in town automatically knows the song and the lyrics and uh Samus is largely alone so that wouldn't happen so Samus would come out carry the whole show by herself sing about everything that's happening and very rarely would like any of the creatures in the background chime in to do backup uh, vocals or know a little back and forth it's just which i understand is yeah this is antithetical to what people look for in musicals that's remember cat any picks definitely Uh, pokemon pokemon okay yeah i think a a good battle a good battle sequence the set to music would be uh, really delightful at a certain point in the third act you would have butterfree leaving and you would have the the very sad uh probably would be by andrew lloyd webber and i would hate it but what can i say I don't think we should make video games into musicals, but if we absolutely have to, Animal Crossing, and I think you need Ooh, to give okay. Tom Nook a patter song where he goes, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Are they singing an Animalese the whole time? Like, no, just in that song to sort of like lampshade it a little bit, yeah. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for NVC this week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Nintendo Voice Chat. Please leave us a review, leave us a like, leave us a comment. It really helps the show, and we all appreciate your support. Thank you, Brian, Reb, and Kat. Thank you to producer Red and to your fearless leader, Seth Macy, for allowing me to take the reins this week. I had a blast. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time right here on Nintendo Voice Chat, the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.